Good morning. I hope that those of you who are overseas, especially in China, or perhaps uh, in Ireland, in England, will be patient with me. Because this book is a very, very powerful book, and I don't want to miss anything here. Before we begin, we are in chapter 7 of Daniel. And of course, I've told you several times that this book has six chapters that deals with a Jewish boy growing up into a court of Nebuchadnezzar and Belchizer and Darius. And of course, the, the next six chapters, God's begin to give him powerful visions about... Uh, his life in the future of the world in the end times. And this is 600 years before Christ. And so it's very, very powerful to look at the prophetic power of God using a young man like Daniel. Also, there are two languages. The beginning and the end are in Hebrew, while the middle of it, chapter 2, uh, uh, 4, and and uh, and uh, are in Aramaic, and so this is important. Now Daniel had been the interpreter of dreams by Nebuchadnezzar. You be, you remember that, and he received four dreams of visions, chapter seven, eight, nine, and ten. All these dreams he received it, but in the first six chapters, there's something there that caught my attention. He wrote in the third person. In the last six chapters, he writes in the first person, which simply means it's a personal relationship between the Lord and Daniel. Now, why would God choose a young man, Daniel, in the midst? Well, <laughs> you know, let's say, let's say this. Let's say you are a family of uh, 500 people, and someone comes in, and take you into a prison and wrap you into a situation where you are captive by, by them and suddenly you have nothing to do. And so, since you are in the midst of the situation, well, they captive, they became captive. Israel or, or the Jewish people became captive to Nebuchadnezzar. And God just came in through Daniel and in the situation of the world per se, and while 70 years of captive took place, Daniel becomes the voice of God to speak to the future. That's interesting. It's interesting how God loves Israel so much. Now, the first in his first vision, Daniel first saw the great sea. Turning by the action of the four winds, he saw the great sea turning. You know, when you look at a sea in a bad storm like the ones that come through Mexico all the way to Louisiana, you look at the sea and it's turbulent. And out of that turbulent sea comes in uh, these, these revelations. The word translated winds here is meaning spirits, that is, Angels, 
And so God is just moving. Amen? He is moving. And so, the second thing Daniel saw in the vision, out of the turbulent sea, was four great beasts. So the question that you might ask was, to Nebuchadnezzar he showed a statue in the head of gold, in the torso of silver, you know, uh, uh, the Babylonian Empire, the the Medo uh, Persian Empire, and then the Grecian Empire, and then the the Roman Empire on the feet, and the rock that destroyed everything, and so uh, he used the statue. So the question is this: Is this why is he using beasts? Well, <clears throat> the four beasts represented. Four kingdoms. And why he used beasts is wasn't that Daniel didn't use it. God introduced the nations as beasts. So I have nothing to do with it. Daniel didn't have anything to do with it. So don't blame anybody else or anything that I'm teaching. It's not, it's God's idea. So when I saw that was God's idea, I, I quite be dumb because I want to see what God is trying to say. The first beast was a lion. Symbolizing power and strength. The lion has eagle wings. Means that... uh, Look at a lion with wings. What does it mean? It means swiftness and power and flying speed. As the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, took over the world. By the way, the lion and the eagle were both symbols of Babylon. So now you have... This king having these dreams, the people of God captive, and using a boy. Don't you think that's kind of interesting? You know, here's a million and a half Jews captive in the river Shabar. Here is uh, the prophet standing and speaking words of comfort to the people. Here's the king in his bed. Here, here is a boy in the kingdom that changes everything. I guess that's the way God works. You know, you probably think that uh, the Lord is sort of quiet, but there's a cook in a big church who's never been to the pulpit, and he's probably the most important person in that whole church is that cook way back there because he has prophesying spirits. He can prophesy. I'm just telling you that God uses the little ones. He doesn't use the he used the little ones. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Oh, but this coffee tastes so good. Okay. Now you probably say that all of this swiftness and speed could be because of Nebuchadnezzar's insanity or his empire deteriorating after his death. But when you see a lion rising up on two feet, its hind legs made it look more like a man, you begin to know that behind that lion is a kingdom, and it's Nebuchadnezzar. The fact that it's got a man's heart suggests that the animal lost its beastly nature and showed compassion. So the lion's rising on its hand legs, having a man's heart, may refer to Nebuchadnezzar. personal encounter with the real God of Abraham. Because you see, Nebuchadnezzar had a hard time in arriving 
to understand that God, but at the end of chapter 3, He's, he's showing His faith. God, God left them eat grass for seven years. Meaning that the Lord, when He has a purpose in His mind, He will change your mind. See, we're dealing with problems in people's lives and resistance of the gospel. People that are in control of manipulating and, uh, and doing their thing in order to somehow portray themselves as the voice of God, as the people of God, speaking for the God themselves. But the Lord hasn't shown up yet. And if it isn't God, then it is the demons. If it is the demons, God will deal with it. And the demons in the mind of Nebuchadnezzar were many. But after seven years of being humble, he came to know the God of Israel. So, I just want you to know today, without uh, trying to lose much time here, is that... uh, Do not be concerned about how things look. But know that if this God, if He he is in charge of the situation, He will bring to pass that which is His will. You can do all you want to. You can do this, you can do that, you can jump here, you can jump there, you can kill here, you can kill there, you can put money in the bank, you can do whatever you want. You can stand up proud with your legs and your hind legs and become that lion that will take care of things. But in the end, you're going to become like a lamb. And God will change your mind and convict your spirit. Or you'll be buried. So, take that as my second thought. Amen? Good. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 5. The second beast was like a bear. Now, I've seen bears on TV, and when a bear stands up, do one thing, run. And it has to do with the Medo-Persian Empire. By the way, these are two empires. Medo is one empire, and Persia is one empire. It looks like the Medes overtaken the Persian Empire. And uh, they were strong. You know, Isaiah 13, just to give you a little hint. Verse 15, 16, and 17 says, Everyone that is found shall be trust through, and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled, their wives ravished. Behold, I stir up the meads against them. That's Isaiah. In other words, you mess with me, and you mess with the God of Abraham, I'll turn the meats toward you. So Persian soon overshadows the Medes in their united kingdom. And, uh, and he talks about the three ribs in the bear's mouth may represent the kingdom of Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. I don't know what it represents. I accept anything at this point. But when I see a bear with ribs on their mouth, Somebody is getting really deeply hurt. All that it means is simply this. A bear devours flesh. You don't want to be with your arm caught by a bear. You're never going to have an arm anymore. 
So, this might suggest that the kingdoms operate by divine appointment, not by their own authority. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar can't do anything to disrupt the plan of God, or any president of any country in the world can do anything to disrupt the purpose, the purpose of God. Don't you worry about what's happening in Asia, in, 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 in Afghanistan, or, or Syria, and Arab, and, and, uh, what is it? Give me a country. Russia. How about where we just, uh, had a war against? Pakistan. Iran. We just spent a, a, a fight with Iran and fought for them. I don't care what the politics of the moment are in the world. God will get His plan through. And you as a Christian need to know that God, He is in charge of this world from anything that moves. And so, in devouring all the kingdoms, extending its territory into a vast empire, the bear was fulfilling God's purpose. The bear. Think about that. Now, now you say, Rick, but that's kind of interesting. Why would God use a bear? Well, I don't know. But I'm, I'm paying attention. I know that there's something, something going on in the Medo-Persian Empire. And God is describing its strength. So the third beast that Daniel saw coming out of the turbulent sea was the leopard. And of course, you know, I, I know about the leper. You know, I went to preach to the Indians in, in, in Mato Grosso, Brazil, where my aunt has a, uh, used to have, and uh, pastor, she's deceased, but she uh, started a hospital for tuberculosis for the Indians. And I remember an evening Saturday night service in a large auditorium filled with Indians. They had, they're holding their babies with a mantana up their, their, their forehead and the baby held in the back and they thrust the baby with a rope or something. And they, they were there and all of them had the same hairstyle and, the, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of them. And they had no seats. They just kept on moving, kept on walking. And because I used to preach going, walking that way and come in and walk that way, that uh, I began, they began to say a word. I don't remember the word, but Osariga uh, something, something. The word meant a leopard. A leopard just moves back and forth before they attack. So, then you saw a leopard. An animal noted for its strength and power and sweetness. It had four wings also, like a bird that could move fast. If it moved fast in, in the lion, now a bear with wings moves much faster. So all authority was given to it. The kingdom that conquered the Middle Persian was the Greek Empire. And we're referring now to the leopard and the, with powerful speed. By the way, it conquered between 334 and 330 before Christ. Half of the world. The Grecians were powerful. After that, you remember Alexander the Great, 
died at the age of 32 and, and divided his kingdom into four generals. And uh, Daniel describes this, this, this leopard. Suddenly, the fourth beast, Daniel now refers to it as something very, very powerful. And he's referring to the Roman Empire. It was terrifying, more powerful than the three beasts together, which were all ferocious and destructive. This beast had large teeth. It was able to crush and devour the prey. <clears throat> the empire represented by this beast had crushed and, and assimilated into itself three previous empires described by the lion, the bear, and the leopard. But this empire trampled a foot anything that came against it. And it's referring to the Roman Empire. Now, I want you to see the Roman Empire with all this strength and power being now introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. The lame, the, 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 the tender, the lamb of God who takes the sins of the world, the gentle, the sweet, the, the kindness. And so the significant the significant feature of this fourth and different beast was that he had ten horns. According to verse 24, chapter 7, it represents ten kings. So the fourth beast had ten horns and ten kings. And Daniel focused his attention on the horns. You can see Daniel having this vision and suddenly he looks at the horns. Then as he looked, he saw another horn being emerged out of the ten. It was a little horn, insignificant in everything. But it begins to grow and was able to destroy three of the existing horns. Three of the different things. Meaning, it came out of nothing. The little horn was noted for intelligence, character, vibrant thinking, rationale that is understood by the best, he had the eyes of a man and the mouth of a little horn exalted itself, speaking boastfully, speaking like it had control of things. The art of, 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 of rhetoric becomes its greatest weapon. Out of the ten, a little horn. Out of the ten, a little horn. Out of the ten, a little horn. Now, when you see that little horn, you're talking about the Antichrist. Because it is, it's, it's coming to grow and develop into a political voice to deceive the world. And we have to be able to discern. By the way, discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, let's take a look. Now, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 7. In this area, just as he discerned that this little, little, small, little horn began to grow, and the characteristic of it was rhetoric, just like a, 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 a someone that convinces you by speaking fluently and able to, to convince your mind. 
the power of, of rhetoric. And as soon as this is over, Daniel saw the thrones of judgment being set up. Meaning, he saw the heavens move in a throne being brought into place. Occupied by God Himself, He calls Him the Ancient of Days. This is the sovereign God who now exercises control over men and nations. His white clothing, His hair speaks of His holiness. And so Daniel describes the glory surrounding the one seated on the flaming throne with wheels, recalls the description of the glory of God by Ezekiel on chapter 1. Now, when this came up, it came up as soon as, as soon as the little horn is seen, God begins to take over the vision. Isn't that comforting? I know it's comforting because I know that God is going to express Himself in the end times in a way that all of you will not be able to miss it. And so as we grow in our faith, as we travel to different countries, as we minister in Peru uh, to the pastors, as we uh, travel and, and, uh, and, and bring the gospel to them, I heard yesterday Myron Crow and Jessica and Catherine uh, learning Spanish and singing in Spanish in order to teach new songs to the Peruvian people. It's going to happen. And ah, you want to be involved with this. Let me tell you, it's tiresome, it's, 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 it's difficult, but you want to be in the midst of the, where the Lord is showing up. I used to say, I want to have my mouth in the spout where the Holy Spirit comes out. <laughs> I want to have my mouth in the spout where the Holy Spirit comes out. I don't care what it is, I don't care if I'm not ready, I don't care if you hate me, I don't care... If you're going to dislike me, I don't care if, I, if I'm this and I'm that. I'm going to be there. And so, the thousands who surrounded the throne were God's servants. In Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10, I call them angels who execute His will. Daniel seven ten says that in the presence of God are myriads upon myriads of, of angels. Meaning, meaning, a hundred thousand angels standing to attention, waiting for the Lord to say something. The Bible says that the angels, they camp around those who fear Him. God gives charge over you with His angels. The angels has charge over you, meaning that they are there to help you. They are there to look for you. They are there to provide lunch. Mm, thank you, Jesus. They are there to... Uh, Give you a smile in the midst of the rain. They are there when you are mourning. They are there when you are driving, when you are sleeping. They are there when you are heading to Peru on a Delta Airlines. They are there when you... In other words, I tell you, what Daniel is seeing here is that the glory of God was so overwhelming that the little horn just didn't have anything to say. Suddenly, the little horn... In other words, there'll be a time when you'll be seeing this and you'll be able to witness what God is going to do. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So Dennis' description of the glory surrounding 
the one seated on the flaming throne with wheels, is overwhelming. When Daniel saw God, the judge, take his seat on the court, Daniel 7.26, was convened. The books were open. Interestingly enough, it states early, Daniel's name means God has judged. God is my judge. You see, you can spend your whole life dealing with how good you are and how bad you are. But when you begin serving the Lord, see, sin does not supersede the call. That's what Paul said. Let God judge when the time comes and continue to serve Him. Here Daniel saw God as the world's judge. Revelations 20.12 The opening books refer to the review and judging of one's stewardship, one's service, one's caring. When you give a cup of water to the little ones who can't drink water, who don't have any, you know, this week, our ministry spend $3,000 to put glasses in the face of those who need it, who can't see. And as, uh, as Catherine, Kathy Fallen, sent me the pictures uh, of Brazil, you saw all those people just putting their glasses on, and for the first time they were able to see clearly. At 49 of them, all the exams done by a company that came to the hills and, and served them. You're going to be accountable for everything that you do. The good and the bad. But that shouldn't stop you from moving and serving the Lord with boldness. And does God who assigns the power to the kingdom will judge those kingdoms? Does God who assigns power to the kingdoms, to the nations... We'll judge the nations. And so, let's move on. Daniel 7, 11. Daniel was watching the little horn now because it was boasting. I can do what I am. I'm greater than anybody else. I've done this before and I'll do it again. The world will bow down to my feet and I'll be greater and I will do. And he noticed that the fourth beast, the one that came out with ten big horns, was slain and thrown in the blazing fire. God just judged. While Daniel watches the little horn among the horns of the fourth creature, it uproots three of the other horns and then starts looking around and boasting. You know, you can boast all you want to. You can belittle, harass the people of God. You can become greater than anybody else in your mind in order to de devour, deceit, and put down people. But remember that Jesus says, those without sin throw the first stone. And that woman was let go without being condemned. The same way the church should be. But these days are when Christians are condemning each other. And let me tell you this. The devil condemns. The Christian forgives. So the vision continues with God. The ancient of days according to Daniel. Taking his throne in heaven. And city and judgment of the earth. The three beasts are disarmed. The fourth is killed and destroyed. Finally. Somebody shows up. Who? Hallelujah. 
Somebody comes out of the throne of God. Woo, glory to God. It is like the Son of Man coming with clouds of glory into the presence of God. Every time, every time I see Jesus coming, coming out and join His Father, that gets me going forever. Because you see, the Ancient of Days is the Lord Himself. But then you saw Jesus coming out of the clouds of glory in the presence of God. Where Jesus is, you in it. <laughs> Where Jesus is, you're going, you're going to be happy. In other words, if you have Jesus there, He is the one who died on the cross for you, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God. He is the one that has been given authority, glory, and power, and sovereign power forever. This event of the Lord showing up in Luke 21, 24, and 27 is that the times of the Gentiles at this very moment is over. The kingdoms represented by the three preceding beasts had already been stripped of their power by military conquest. But the fourth beast will be relieved of its power, not by being controlled or conquered military, by the divine judgment of God Himself. Ah, ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Uh, I wonder if I can do read that. Amen. Daniel 9. I'm ahead of myself. Verse 27. It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice of oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abomination he shall make it desolate. Talking about the, talking about the Antichrist. Until the consummation and that determined he shall be poured upon the desolate. Meaning, he shall confirm, refers to the Antichrist. And in the midst of the week refers to three and a half years, at which time the Antichrist shall show his true colors and stop the sacrifices in the newly built temple. At that time, he will actually invade Israel with her suffering in her, in her first defeat since the formation of the nation in 1948, even to the consummation means that God will judge. God will stop the Antichrist from interfering uh, with the sacrifices in the temple. God is going to be judging. Now, each of the three, however, had been allowed to live for a short time. I'm talking about the three, the, 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 the three beasts. They may mean that the cultures of each of the first three conquered empires were assimilated into into the conquering nation. But this chapter 7, verse, verse uh, 11, introduces Jesus Christ out of the throne to judge the world. Amen? Now, let's talk about verse 13 and 14 if I have time, but it looks like I don't. And uh, I'll begin tomorrow because in the third major portion of this vision, Daniel saw the man the Son of Man approaching the Ancient of Days. Jesus Christ taking the title. When the Son of Man was brought in the presence of God, all authority, all glory, all sovereign power that had been exercised by rulers of the four kingdoms over all people, nations, and men of every language was conferred, put on Jesus Christ, 
and those people begin to worship Him. This is in keeping with the Father's promise in, in Psalm, 2, Psalm 2, verse 6 and 9. When He shows, He takes the power of the nations and He puts upon Himself. And He is the Lion of Judah now. Standing, don't need any wings. He has power over the nations. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.